Ho, ho, ho. And welcome to the Film Luck Podcast, where we break down films, <laughs> learn from the pros, and try to become better filmmakers along the way. I'm Christian Kringle Foreman, and I'm joined by Robert Carism- Robert Carismus and Richard Rudolph Scott. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything for you, uh, Richard. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> Okay, my other one was my other one is um, rich a wonderful life. Um, that's way better. Is that better? Well, let's go with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, if you haven't already realised from today's film, this is our Christmas podcast, Christmas special, 2020. Um, Rob, you normally edit these, so if you could just like add some Christmassy sounds in the background. Yep, um, I'll do it. Some jing- yep. jingle bells, crackling fires. Yep, there they are. Um, there, you know. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> lovely and warm, that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Lovely. You don't realise I've I've put something completely different in there, because um, <laughs> I am not really in the Christmas spirit. That's what I was going to ask. So since it's a yeah Christmas special, we're going to skip the facts this week. Um, I've got a little festive film quiz for you to start the podcast. But before that, how how is everyone doing? Are you in the Christmas spirit? Um, or are you a Grinch this time of year? I wasn't before watching Home Alone. And then... After watching Home Alone, I'm well in it now. Like, <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm like, yeah, got the Christmas tunes on in the car, and that now I. No, see, I thought I was hoping it was going to get us in the Christmas spirit, and it really hasn't. So, I am um, hopefully by the end of this podcast, you can you can do that. Are you normally are you normally quite festive? Are you um uh, a bit of a grudge? Grinch? No, I've never been in the Christmas spirit for probably about the last ten years. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not just this year. Have you got your trees up? Yeah. Yeah, trees up. <laughs> I want to show you something. Oh, it's a podcast. It won't make any. No, it will because the sound to go with it. Hold on. Okay. Um, Come on, I got to take off both sets of headphones. This is great podcasting. Uh, so, Rich, I'll uh, describe what he's doing. He's gone over the other side of his room and he's picked up a. I think it's a Santa. Let's have a. Yeah, some sort of Santa toy or, or something like that. I imagine yeah. it's a Santa that makes noises. Oh, here we go. This is classic podcasting, this. So it's a Santa with, like, gold glasses and gloves on. Like a gangster Santa. And, and he's dancing a jig. It goes on for the next uh, six minutes. You might need to stop that for copyright reasons, but... Uh... <laughs> I can't stop him. I'm pretty sure... I'm sure that's not a Christmas song at all. That's uh, there we go. It's Br- Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. <laughs> I that classic Christmas song by Bruno Mars. <laughs> that's my Christmas spirit for today. <laughs> right. So I, I've I put together a Christmas quiz this morning, um, just to yeah to to make things even more festive. So okay. we played this this quiz before in our like you know season one of podcasting. Um, and it's where I, I'm going to describe a film really badly or really vaguely. Um, and I think we called it like Vague Nation before or something Vague like Nation, that. Vague Nation, yeah. So what's an, what's an example like? Sometimes the clubs are just really vague. Sometimes they're like from the perspective of another character. Or sometimes they're just really bad. And then you have to guess what the film is. Um, so yeah, an example I think from previous podcast was like um, a farmer... Um, who has daddy issues or something like that was Star Wars. Um, yeah, that could also be Superman. 
Uh, yeah, but it's Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> but, no, no. It could be Superman, though. <laughs> no, you're right. It could be Superman. Right. So all of these, I clicked this. I clicked like top ten Christmas films, and I went. I picked six of them, and and um, yeah, messed with the the uh, synopsises a bit. Okay. Synopsi. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give you instead of I don't think shouting out works as well on Zoom. Um. So I'm just going to give you three each. And then you're going to have one chance to answer. Then if you get it wrong, I'll pass it to the next person, all right? Okay. So, um, Rich, you can go first, right? So, film number one. Um, In this film, a divorced man murders a pensioner and then steals the clothes off his back. The Santa Claus. Yeah, it's the Santa Claus. Nice one. Good. That's quite It's a good film, actually. It's one of the best. It's a good (laughs) one. It's one of my go-to Christmas films. Cool. Other than Home Alone. Yeah, I agree. It's a top-notch. I love t- Tim Allen. He's got like that kind of family feel about him, hasn't he? Anything with Tim Allen in. Yeah. Um, Ray, Rob, you're next. Ray, uh, who's Ray like? <laughs> <laughs> um, number two. So a depressed small business owner. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> this is, this is really easy, isn't it? Nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's a wonderful life. So the rest of the clue was a depressed small business owner relives crucial moments from his life to realize he's the backbone of his community. Nice one. Is that not just the normal synopsis? It probably. <laughs> did not argue about that one. Saying it, it was would be. It didn't have to be a Christmas film. I do remember yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. That, so that this is our second Christmas podcast. The first one we did was It's a Wonderful Life, and that was yeah a couple of years ago now. Um, and I think. It's not a Christmas film, really, isn't it? Like the Christmas element is the last ten minutes, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a good film, like nevertheless, and it's quite a depressing one. So it seems strange that it's like a Christmas movie. Like Christmas movie sort of gets this like stamp of like generic rubbish, like stamp of uh, mediocrity. But I don't think I don't think it's a Wonderful Life has that stamp of mediocrity. So yeah, it's a weird one. But go listen to that then. It's a strange one as well because um, for like, I don't know, 90% of the film, it's really depressing. <laughs> and then 10%, yeah. the last the last 10 minutes, it's it's really kind of wholesome. But if you like stop watching halfway through, you'd be really depressed. Uh, anyway, number three, Rich, this is yours. A successful businesswoman's Christmas party is ruined when her jealous and over, overprotective ex-husband... Die hard. Um, yeah, it's die hard. <laughs> nice. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're too they're too easy, aren't they? Yeah. Dumb it down for the for the do do another one for Rob, and then on the last one, dumb down your own version. <laughs> Alright, uh, Rob, number four. A depressed loner goes around the neighbourhood stealing everyone's decorations for shits and giggles. Oh, why do these all start with depressed? Depressed like it's Christmas. Uh, depressed loner. That's like the Chris- that's like the Christmas arc, isn't it? Like you start really depressed and lonely, and then like at the end, you're you're really happy. So say that again. Depressed. Um... A, a depressed loner goes around his neighbourhood and steals everyone's decorations for shits and giggles. Is it like bad Santa or something? Are you gonna pass it on? Can yeah, I have yeah, it? You, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it on to Rich now. Yeah. It's the Grinch. It's the Grinch. Ah, right. Okay. I've I don't like that film. I've only seen it my, my dad fell asleep in the cinema to that. I don't remember seeing it in the cinema. I did, but I was too young. My dad says as soon as the intro credits come on and it's it's like flying through clouds, he just fell asleep. <laughs> he doesn't remember watching it. That's one of the Christmas films that I just like 
turn off that avoid, and yeah. uh, Elf. I avoid that as well. Elf can just go and die. Oh, like El- Elf was the first film that I ever saw without my parents. I want to see it when we made Joe. Nice. Went to the Met. Met Russell. I probably said this on the Inter- It's a Wonderful Life one mm. as well. All right, K-Dog. Right, hard mode. Mega hard mode after this. Number five. Uh, Rich, I think this is yours. Back to you. So, man buys a Furby who then breeds an army of lizards and destroys <laughs> I've got destroys it. a Spot. city. Stop. <laughs> I got it. You got it at Furby, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what the film's called, but the character is called a Mogwai, isn't it? What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to get What's the answer. What's it called? For the Not point. Gremlins. Well, Gremlins, yeah. Is it Gremlins? Yeah. Yeah, it's Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> I got that one, should we? <laughs> yeah, Rob, you got that one. Nice. Um, so <laughs> I was about to get it. I didn't get the wrong answer. I I got that one. I'm I'm saying I got that one. <laughs> this is this is the last one um for Rob. So a sociopath believes he's murdered his whole family and goes on to torture two criminals with special needs. Um two criminals with special needs. Oh well home alone, yeah. <laughs> Yay. Nice. Yeah. That was Speaking uh, home of Home Alone. alone. <laughs> oh, good segue. <laughs> yeah, um that was just a segue into Home Alone now. Before we do that, um Rich, can you do like a little um podvert how people can get in touch with us? Yeah, yeah. So if anyone's interested in emailing us, getting contact, uh suggestions, anything like that, the film look at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Film Look, um, and we've got a YouTube channel as well, just called the Film Look, and we drop filmmaking knowledge bombs on the sh- short films we make. Uh, we're also on Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash the Film Look. Yeah, you get some rewards and stuff, and then um, you help us out, give us some support if you like the uh, like the pod and like the channel. Anyway, it's got on to Home Alone, shall we? Home Alone is a 1990 American Christmas family film written and produced by John Hughes and directed by Chris Columbus. The film follows Kevin, an eight-year-old boy who must defend his home from two burglars, Harry and Marv, after his family accidentally leave him behind when they go on holiday. Um, I assume every single person knows uh, the uh, summary of that film, but did it anyway. Right, so I'm going to do a review now. We're going to do it out of 10, and then we'll see if this changes over the course of the film. So I'm going to be quite harsh on this film, and I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. 6 jingle bells out of, out of 10 jingle bells. Can I um, interject? Um, are we rating it on the film, or as Christmas film? Because there's not many Christmas films that are like, you know, in the top 250 of IMDb. So we go on, this is the Christmas film rating? I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say we strip Christmas out of this, remove our nostalgic memories of the film, and look at it as an objective no. piece of cinema. I refuse. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to battle between an objective piece of cinema, its technical quality, and me laying on the butter and being like, doesn't matter, Christmas film, love it, warm, great, love it. <laughs> because, because that's the thing, isn't it? Like One of my favourite Christmas films is Jingle All The Way, and... Well, Rich, what's your opinions on that film? <laughs> it's, it's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> Watched it as a as a kid and absolutely loved it. 
watched it as an adult will never watch it. Yeah, again. that's why it says you know you've got to you've got to rate it on is it a Christmas rating or is it? But a, I would watch Home Alone again. Yeah, that's true. So I, right, K Dog, what's why six out of ten? Was it six out of ten before you watched it for the pod? Before you put your critical no, eyes right. on? No, I, I, I did not need to rewatch this film. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this film in my life. Every Christmas since my memories began, since my memory kicked in, like I've watched this film. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I've got such. It brings back such good memories of of and warm festive cozy youthful innocent you know memories that it's really hard to think of watch this film in an objective way because it's always going to be a 10 out of 10 how, if you're how about it this, by okay. nostalgia how about we're each we're each allowed three passes so if we have if there's anything that it's like oh they did this wrong they got this wrong we come to that end of that category and it's like, nah, it gets a Christmas pass. You're allowed three Christmas passes each, okay? Yeah. All right, okay, okay. <laughs> what years were you born in, by the way? Just because this was 1990. Yeah. So I was born in, I was born I was in 91. Ni- 92. Yeah. 91 and 92. So this came out before you were born, but it was, yeah. it's, that just shows you obviously it got played every single year. Because I'm like two years yeah, two years older than this film, which is crazy. Um, well, more like a, like a year and five days. Yeah, that's true. Well, it depend. That would be if this came out in January. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I was only one when I seen it. So, did you see this in the cinema? No, no. I'd, um, probably not. No, my first film I seen in the cinema was Jurassic Park, which I fell asleep watching. Oh, right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, K Dog. So six out of ten. Should we skip rating then and just because no, no, on no, a scale no. of like watch on a, on a scale of watchability rewatchability this is a ten out of ten right I don't think I've ever watched any film more than this um just because of its omnipresence at Christmas time um but on a on a yeah on a cinematic scale I'm gonna give it a six and a ten out of ten for a Christmas okay. film <laughs> all right right so the average <laughs> then that's an eight. An eight there you go an eight. this there is an go. eight this yeah. is solid eight. <laughs> All right, then, let's do that then, right? So we've got uh, cinematic masterpiece scale and loving, absolute great film. I'm going to say, right, I'm the same. I think if it's technical stuff, with it, if you watch this in July, it would be a 6 out of 10. I don't think it's like terrible as like a movie. I think a lot of it's actually really good, but there's some stuff that's like very... What is it like melodramatic and over the top and like acting's not you know it's not Oscar worthy. Um, but then on the other hand, like t- eleven out of ten for a, a Christmas movie. So like this is this is Christmas movie number one, without yeah. a doubt. And after watching this, I'm probably in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> this is the first time I've watched this with critical eyes, podcast head on. And even then I really enjoyed it. And there's some things in this film that I'd, I'd hadn't noticed before. And I actually appreciate it way more. All right. I'm, I'm going to say two things about my opinion on this before we get into it. So yeah, I'm going to say 10 out of 10 for a Christmas movie, six out of 10 for technical things. I'm going to give it a solid eight to average that out. All right. This film, <laughs> this is my review. <laughs> It's the perfect amount of peril, comedy, action, dream fulfillment. It's got a bit of everything. This film's so warm. It's not perfect, but at the same time, it is perfect. And I will say that it has one 
of the greatest final acts in all of cinema, not just Christmas movies, all of cinema, perfect final act. Wow. Pretty good. High praise. So yeah, an average of eight for me and Rich there, Rob. Uh, you're the Grinch of this uh, threesome. So what, what are you, what's your review on it? <laughs> well, um, I am, um, obviously I sat down to watch this, but like you just says, I didn't need to watch it because like yeah. I've seen it that many times. It was like, I actually sat on my phone while I watched it because I was just like, I don't need to see this because I've done it. I actually watched the the documentary thing that's on Netflix. That was quite interesting, which we'll get into. But yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 Christmas film. It really is. Um, but the thing is it, is, it is about a 7 or 8 in terms of a normal film because some films that have even came out this year have the exact same tropes that I hate in any film, but they're in this one. So like the one of the main ones is like, I hope nothing bad happens. Two seconds later, something bad happens. Like he literally says that. And how many times have we said this on the podcast? Of like, but they, big do, they do it well. Films. Yeah, and like it, it works for this. You know, the thing that he says, where oh, I hope nothing bad happens, is you know, oh, I want me, I wish my family would disappear, and they do. Um, you know, there's a little bit of mystical element there. Do they actually go? He doesn't quite know, but you know, that whole trope gets used all of the times in films. So if it's acceptable in this one, I suppose it's acceptable in everything else, because. Like Rich says, this has got the best final act. And as a kid, this was complete dream fulfillment. This is exactly what you yeah. would want to do. I mean, we'll get on to the second one later on, and I think that one is just as good as this. But I didn't... Oh, I forgot about the sequel. The sequels. I've seen the sequel probably just more than this one. I have. The thing with the, se- the, the thing with the sequel is it's the exact same film, just in New York. Like, the, the same plot, beat the beats of the film. I reckon if you played them, like on top of each other they would just they would they would sync up perfectly but they're still great it's a still a great film all right so shoot what's your what's your rating rob uh, uh, well it's christmas film 10 out of 10 uh, uh normal film like six and a half we're seeing on this pretty same page really don't we um so right should we start with the um story then um so like you said every kid wanted to be Kevin McAllister, didn't they, growing up? Like, it's just wish fulfillment. Every, every kid at that age has that kind of feeling that they're sick of their family and they just want to be alone. And this film shows you what you could do if that is a part, like, what that happens. Um, and what I found interesting, when you think of Paul Malone, when I think of Paul Malone anyway, you think about the booby traps in the house, don't you? Like, you think of mm-hmm. the, the burglars um, getting smashed on the face with, a, with an iron and all of, all of that funny slapstick stuff at the end. But what I did notice this time watching it was that is a very small part of the film. That's only yeah. the last 40 minutes. We've still got an hour before that of setup, and I didn't realize the kind of balance until I watched it this time and I noted the time and things like that. Um, was that similar for you, or did you know, like, are you, were you aware of, of the, uh, the story, like, in that way? As a kid, I always thought that, you know, the them breaking into the house was the majority of the film, but the breaking into the house for like t- you remember minutes. You remember it, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I can't actually remember the first I wrote down. Uh, Two sentences look at my notes. I can't remember the first 15 minutes of this film because I've never sat down and pressed play. Like, it's always just been on and I've walked so into the room. So you've always caught it on telly when it's already on. Yeah, so I couldn't remember. I all, The bit I remember that, that the start is, what I thought was, is them waking up in the late. Like, the film's always started from there. So seeing Joe Pesci at the very beginning, you know, as the police officer and them ordering pizzas and then all of that going on, I was just like, it's brand I, new. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't really remember it, 
but it's just because I've never pressed play. It's always just, if it's on, it stays on. I had the same thought. And you know, my theory on this is that they cut it for like ITV or whatever. Like they cut the first 10 minutes because I watched it on DVD one year, like a few years ago. And I didn't remember that stuff as well. And mm-hmm. um, I reckon there's like a TV version that, that skips a lot of that stuff out. Potentially, yeah. yeah. That might not be true. Let's um, destroy the plot then, shall we? So <laughs> I'll, I'll go through some of the things that I, that I noticed in the writing that I actually quite appreciated. Maybe that I didn't notice the million and one times that I'd seen it before. Little elements like, um, I, right, so it's a weird one because obviously, like, this it follows like proper typical filmmaking story formula, but I'm, I'm not sure it tries to like hide it. Like, it's, it's pretty, I think it's, it's pretty solid in terms of plot holes. I might be eating those words if we <laughs> start talking about this. <laughs> But it's kind of like, this story is like, it's well signposted and it's like, it's got like, it's clear and it's driven and it kind of like, it just makes sense enough mm-hmm. and it's not like overly complex and it's, it's fit for purpose, isn't it? Like they didn't try to write like this absolute utter masterpiece. They just tried to make like a, a formulaic um, Christmas film and it just happened to have some charm to it. And in terms of story things that I'll definitely take away from that I would put into my own scripts is the signposting mm-hmm. and it's the scenes where we need we need Kevin to have a, a a baby gun to shoot Harry in the head so let's write a scene where he gets it off his brother's wall and then like we need a scene where he does like you know he he, he needs like laundry uh, stuff to put on the floor to make them slip all right, well, let's put a scene in earlier. There's a lot of setups and payoffs, isn't there? Another one is the um, the film, isn't it? The uh, Angels of, I forgot what they call it, where he watches the film, is then scared by it, and then he uses mm-hmm. that in a later scene. All of that stuff, like, if, if this was any other movie, like, you you would be saying, oh, it's it's too clearly signposted, like, it's, it's too obvious. But I don't know, like, if you're sitting watching a Christmas film and eating some celebrations and some heroes and having a drink and that, you, you kind of want... <laughs> to be like put on this like roller coaster and being given like precise direction rather than trying to work it out. I do think there's a lot of um, pipe being laid, um, and for people who don't know that, there's a lot of plot points they need to get to in the first fifteen minutes for him to be left home alone. Got Hazar, by the way, got it in there. This is how oh, they go. <laughs> That's the one plot hole for this right so i've got i've got a whole list of things that they have to uh, i think the the weakest part of the story is the first 15 minutes because they have to get to a point where he is home alone right the, the title of the film yeah. Huzzah. and the way they go the way they go about that is the most convoluted route possible to a point where it's bordering on insulting the audience because of like the amount of improbable things that happen and i've got a big list here can i can i like go, go through the list yeah, go for- are you doing it um, in order Oh, this is I'm the doing timeline. Order. These are the events that so, occur in order for him to be home so, so, alone. So this is this is this is how much the audience has to suspend their disbelief, right, for the sake of enjoyment, right? So yeah, we have to get from point A to point B. Point B is him being home alone, right? So the film starts. So by the way, if anyone doesn't know this, um, anytime you hear the film name in a film, you meant to shout. Hazar. Did, okay. did you make that up, Rob? Or was that like a thing you'd heard? It was on it was on something, probably. It was on like the radio or something. I don't know, it was on a TV show, I think. 
All right. I think it was um, I think it was Big Band Theory. It was. Oh, okay. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why it's not funny. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why we're seeing it now. Like it's we're being ironic. Yeah, you, you've got a good point. Carry on. Right, so the film starts. He has to be part of this huge family, right? He has yeah. to be. It has to be so big that they don't know that if one person goes missing, right? They all have to be really horrible to him. All fifteen of them have to be really, really horrible to them. Um, so they, um, uh, he has to wish they will disappear. Right? They all have to act. They ha- have to accidentally throw his his plane ticket in the bin and only his and nobody else's they have to make him sleep in the attic so they don't know so he doesn't know that they're leaving there has to be a huge storm the night before which leaves um which knocks out the phone lines so they can't contact him when he's gone and the storm also has to knock off the power so that the alarm is shut off and they can't wake up in the morning right the kids um have to Oh, right. uh, the kid has to sleep really heavily, so he doesn't hear all those fifteen people shouting and yelling in the morning, trying to get in their ca- in the taxi. Um, this random little kid has to show up at the exact moment that the counting heads, so they can't get that wrong. Um, nobody has to think of him. Nobody has to think of Kevin even a little bit until they're mid-flight. And you also have to have Kevin not understand what an airport shuttle is, so that they think uh, that he doesn't know that they're left at the airport. There's a, they've actually missed a couple, couple out there that I've got off the top of my head. So they have to. Um, what's the? So he's meant to sleep in the bed with that kid who drinks uh, too much cola. He was his younger brother, by the way. Oh, is it really? Holly Colkin's brother. Oh, right. right. I didn't know that. What's he called again? Luke Colkin? He, something like that. Uh, so Kieran. I'll, what is it? Ewan, Ewan Ke- Colkin? Kieran. Kieran. Kieran Colgan, yeah, he's in a what's it called, isn't it? A film, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, is that him? Uh, oh, right, okay. He's the um, roommate. They have to like, they have to set that up so he won't sleep in the same bed as him as well. So he like makes an excuse and he says it like, someone says, "Oh, you better not make him drink anything, otherwise he's going to wet the bed." <laughs> no, it's go easy on the Pepsi, fuller. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets that grin. <laughs> It's like he's trying to drink as much Pepsi as possible in order to wee on his, on his cousin. Yeah. But the thing is, it gets mentioned like about five times that this kid wets the bed and you're just like, I get yeah. it. I understand. Like, you don't need to tell but us But it's anymore. just all of these all of these extremely unlikely events happen one after the other. If it was just like one or two of them, you'd go, fine. The things are supposed to be unlikely. That's why they, it's a movie. The, the the one the one exception that I did put down is like, it was over the top for me. Was the random the random kid? Hey, I'm the next door neighbor. I'm the exact height. I'm the exact size as Kevin McAllister. I'm gonna start going through your bags. Will you beat it, kid? <laughs> like that's pretty bad. You know, in like Home Alone two, I think Kevin like has that exact hat. That that kid has in the first one because I'm just like Aye. he has to, he's got to have the exact hack. So oh yeah, that's Kevin. I, yeah, I forgot about that little kid though. I, that's one of the major things I completely forgot about when they were counting because I've seen the the yeah. meme of uh, Buzz going twelve, eighteen, seven, like loads, but I didn't know why why that was there. So yeah, all right. I'm I'm gonna use I'm gonna use my pass. Well, you're gonna use a pass for all of those plot points, all of them. For, for those, for all those plot points, yeah, because <laughs> it's the setup, isn't it? And you need okay. to set up a lot. And I feel like they made sure there was no plot holes 
obviously we've got these crazy things that happen that it wouldn't happen but we, these things do happen in a film maybe not a dozen of them maybe four or five <laughs> but I'm, I'm i appreciate that they they covered the plot holes like all of the things that you would say oh that's convoluted and far-fetched it would be like yeah but it was because of this like the reason kevin didn't hear them was because he was in the loft so like the, when they were writing it they were probably thinking well why wouldn't he get up Right, we need to put him in the loft. Okay, let's add a scene that puts him in the loft. I imagine like, oh, why don't they just uh, call the house? He goes, oh, because the power knocked the phones out, so you can't, you can't call the house. You have to have a guy saying, uh, you know, the the fo- the power's on, but the phone lines won't be up for another couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you're playing the Christmas card on the setup. Okay. I, th- I think the setup does does a pretty decent job in terms of its its purpose for the type of film that it is like it's a you're just going to use your your christmas card your three christmas cards on act one act two and christmas then act cards. Three. yeah that's what we're calling them your christmas cards no that it, it will do them per per category so for me it's it's the story you know what maybe we should only have one each then <laughs> between between the three of us we've got nine i think we might fill it out should we say we've got one one each? I'm gonna say a story. That gets a pass in my eye. I was um I was watching this interview with Kieran Culkin Culkin, yeah. Cause I watched this HBO show called Succession, which I, I know you guys don't watch, but it's an unbelievable show. It's really good. But they got him talking about Home Alone. And it was quite funny because he was only about five at the time or something like that when he was in the film. And he said that he thought because they don't give the kids the context around the film they just like throw them in the scene and say do this right they don't need to read the whole script <laughs> um he thought that the film was about that neighbor kid um All right. because he was he was like he was always on set but it's because he was only in the scenes that he was always there for when he was there right and they were uh they were giving so much attention to him like with the camera that he thought it was and then obviously was macaulay culkin wasn't in that scene <laughs> I just, thought that, I just thought, thought that was quite funny. Right. Um, anything else in terms of story set up, payoff, anything like that you, you noted? I mean, in terms of the rest of the story, you know, you, you see you see this kid, you know, kind of dream fulfillment and survive over the last, the next couple of days. It is just a couple of days, isn't it? I think it's not too long. Yeah. yeah. Like two two Maybe days, like two I think. Two or yeah. three days, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's less time than I thought it was before watching it this time. Well, you've got to, I suppose in realistic terms, a kid wouldn't last much longer. I don't think. He was, what's he meant to be, like seven in the film? He's eight. 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 Um, like, I don't think you would last much longer, you know. I mean, he's a pretty smart kid. He goes to the shops and, you know, gets, he knows what to buy. And it seems like what he buys is like, well, he buys, does he buy the detergent and stuff? Or was that like already in the house? But he knows he needs a toothbrush. And me at eight, eight year old, I still had to get rem- reminded to brush my teeth. So, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. There's one. There's one thing that I think's a. There's one thing that I think's a big plot hole is um is that they don't set Kevin up at the beginning as this evil mastermind. Like he's this kid. They set him up as this kid that doesn't doesn't know how to pack a suitcase. But then a day later, he's like masterminding this kind of uh, mm-hmm. death trap of a house yeah but all of the things that he's doing is things that he's like seen his older brother do or or the things that he want to do like he's he's not physically incapable of doing those things 
And I think showing that at the beginning that he's, oh, you can't do anything. That's that's the whole journey of the character, isn't it? That he's actually capable of doing all this stuff. He just never gets the chance. Going from you can't do anything to to this little evil genius, um, you know, almost murdering these people. It's like, wouldn't it have been better if you at the beginning you made some references to him really like in games or traps or, or something like that and his family just dismissed it and then he then uses yeah. that skill those skills to then plan the death house uh, I don't know I would have done that because <laughs> I feel like the house. other <laughs> I just feel like uh, uh, the, the suitcase remark was just pointless what suitcase remark? well because they said uh, two times Kevin go and pack yeah. your suitcase and he he didn't know how to do it or he couldn't do it. Oh, and everyone's like, he, can't, he yeah. can't even pack a suitcase. He's useless. Look what you did, you little twerp or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> jerk. Kevin, you're such jerk. a disease. <laughs> that was my favorite line. I don't know why. It's such a quotable film, but look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> my favorite line. Let's go through our favourite lines, right? My favourite line was after he steals the toothbrush and gets away. There's just a voiceover line as he's walking, really disappointed, of Macaulay Culkin just going, I'm a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a criminal. Or the, the um, uh, Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. another line is, why the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> Fun fact, apparently that was improv. Uh, my favourite line, which was also improv, was polka, 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 polka. You know, the, ah, that's a good one. That was all improv by John Candy. Wasn't all of his lines improv? Uh, yeah, like, he, he did it as a favour, uh, John Candy, to the director because they're really good friends. And the, the, he was 23 hours on set and apparently by the end of it, went, he just went, I'm not doing you any, any more favours. Because oh, he tried to get as much out of him as possible, but, you know, it's all, yeah. John Candy was just, unbelievable though at improv so uh, that leads us on to casting actually so what do you think of the rest of the cast what do you think of um, the sticky sticky bandits or the wet bandits the wet yeah the wet bandits in the first one they become the sticky bandits yeah. don't they <laughs> I think that this is where this film jets off past other mediocre Christmas films and it's it's Harry and Marv and I feel like alright supposedly there's another fun fact they didn't think it was going to be successful so they, they deliberately just had a good time on set by being over the top with each other and they became these like massive comic characters. Now, if you think of Christmas films, you don't, other than obviously like Santa and, and Rudolph and all that, you could, you could put Harry and Marv and you could sort of cosplay as Harry and Marv and people would like instantly get who you were in just standard clothing. Obviously, you dress, you dress as the Grinch he's like this big creature but like for like human characters like is there any other christmas films that do that that well and like the fact that they've created these like iconic mm -hmm. just like normal dressed guys it it's yeah this is why this film gets a 10 out of 10 in terms of i used to wear christmas i used to wear those those gloves one year I had those gloves where it was like mitten gloves you know and um, oh, yeah, everyone like said, fold the mitten over the top of the glove. Yeah, everyone said, oh, sticky bandits, like, every time I wore them or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it is, it, it's strange that things like that become synonymous with, with yeah. characters. With, in terms of casting, like, um, 
Macaulay Culkin, the new, the wanted him at the beginning, so everyone was cast after because he was in Uncle Buck. Um, yeah. And then Joe Pesci was uh, cast, but apparently he was like notorious. It was like your call is like seven o'clock in the morning. He's like, nah, you don't need us at seven. I'll turn up at nine. Um, just because he likes to play golf. Um, Daniel Stern, is it, who plays Marv? He turned down the role because the. They, they weren't going to pay him enough money, so he was like, "Nah, I can't do it." He was like, "He was like, I can't commit to this thing because they just couldn't get the cash." They got someone else, and there's a fun fact about the uh, kind of the budget, which I'll get on later. But then eventually, he come back, and in the Netflix documentary thing, he's just like, "I was an idiot for saying no to this in the first place." Thank God, like the casters again. Apparently, it was supposed to be uh, Robert De Niro. Yeah, it, um, or he turned down the role. I think he was meant to be Joe Pesci's character. Joe Pesci also apparently. Oh, right. um, apparently he he couldn't read the script because it uh, he normally reads Martin Scorsese's scripts and every other word's a swear word. So Joe Pesci had to put a swear word every other word just to be able to read it, and um, that's why you know when he gets hit and he's like he 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 like he's got loads of like words he says when he's hurting. Yeah, I've I've listed some of these. Mm-hmm. So he goes. Wish I each I gotcha betcha. That's that's him swearing. It is so. <laughs> that's him swearing. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. He's got like P- PG swearing down to a T. At the time, at the time of watching this, obviously as a kid, I've never seen any gangster films before. Um, so I thought Joe, I associated Joe Pesci with Harry, but you know, after watching Rage and Bull and, and Goodfellas and Casino, you realise how big of a departure that like this film was, because mm-hmm. he's known as this this hard man gangster, scary guy, yeah. and he's in this, in this suddenly he's in this family friendly Christmas film. It's a it's a strange choice, um, but it, it worked. It worked. I guess we all went the other way with him as an actor. I'm guessing we all like originally associated him as. Is uh, Harry, Harry yeah. from Home Alone? This like, f- like sort of. Oh, he's a bit of a comic, cartoon sort of character with oh, Harry and Marv. And then all of a sudden, he's like really violent and killing people and swearing his head off. It's like whoa, okay. In the in the same year, so uh, Goodfellas came out in October, <laughs> and then uh, in December, Home Alone came out. <laughs> oh man, so that's fun. Get in. I tell you one thing that annoyed us though. Go on. You know the police officer when he's eating a donut and the donut falls on the phone and it stays on the phone. Oh yeah, I noticed, you noticed that. that. Yeah, what was it a police officer? It was the police station, wasn't it? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I did see that this time. It's the yeah. it's the guy who plays Mr. Heckles in Friends. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's eating a donut and that the donut falls on the phone. I've never been able to like not see it my entire life and it's the one thing that i wish i could go and change because it actually absolutely does me mm-hmm. head in like wipe it off man what are you doing <laughs> so i'm officially going to say halfway through that this isn't a 10 out of 10 um, <laughs> it it deserves much less it's an 8 out of 10 in terms of a christmas film that moves us on a direction then so besides from the donut on the phone what do you think of the directing of this film so this was directed by chris columbus who would later go on to direct the you know two harry, harry potter, potter films and yeah. um what else did you mrs doubtfire and yeah so lots of family friendly i think he did the goonies right or he, he wrote the goonies um yeah and then obviously it was produced by john hughes as well so it has that like 80s nostalgia sort of feel to it he's written by john hughes as well. he wrote this he wrote the script in apparently like seven days 
like apparently he just knocks scripts out like this uh no wonder yeah. it, it's very formulaic then like he just he filled out his formula with character names and plot lines. In terms of Chris, Chris Columbus, he did, you know, he's done lots since then, but he he only did, he did Adventure of the Babysitters, which I remember seeing years ago. can't really remember much about it. And then he did Heartbreak Hotel, which apparently is awful, but they got him in to do this. And that was because, well, they kind of liked him, but he was also cheap. But all of the cast were, they weren't like top of the game at the time. So the cinematographer, right. he was the B camera on crappy films so they got him because he was cheap the casting lady she she did nothing but after this she is she was one of the biggest or still is one of the biggest casting directors out there because obviously when this comes out and you see the cast and it works so you're like wow let's get this woman and even the set designers they were all like nobodies really and all went on to have the editor he's, he's done like loads of comedy editing and he was well, Poon, Poon about, himself didn't John Williams? Didn't John Williams do the score? He was was he a somebody? John, back then? John Johnny the Dub did the score for this. I, I, mm. He was he was a little famous at the time. He did a couple of small films yeah, he, just before this. Yeah, he did. just a few. Yeah. Well, again, that was um, I know skipping ahead, but on that documentary, uh, Chris Columbus joked about getting John Williams, so the somehow got the uh, cut of Home Alone to him, and. Uh, John Williams loved it and went, yeah, I'll do it. And oh, and it kind of even says it changed the film. It does. Yeah. Like his his score like. is well, you always know when it's a John Williams score. I think overall direction. So like, the the visual identity of this film is quite strong. Obviously, we'll go into cinematography in a bit, but there there is particular moments in the film that like, that looks like Home Alone, and you could make a Home Alone e type movie. I think the direction of this, though, this is this is the key part of this film because the premise itself is quite, I wouldn't say weak, but it's very basic, right? A kid gets left alone um, and he has to defend his home from two burglars. Um, it's quite a simple premise, but he manages to make that into this family-friendly Christmas film, and that's really funny. Yeah. I'm like, how how do you even do that? How do you how do it's you start? It's quite epic as well. Yeah. Towards that, that we'll we'll go on to the third act in a bit, like. But the ex yeah. the execution of the execution of that very simple idea is just masterful, I would say. Well, I've got a question. Um, what if you took Christmas out of this film, which you could, right? It doesn't have to take place at Christmas. They could go on holiday anytime. Um, would would it still be as good? What what, what would you think? Not for rewatchability, but like as a as a film. You only really watch Christmas films at Christmas, don't you? And it's really to get you into nah, the Christmas Nah, I mean, mum watches them in June. She does. She watches them all year round. Like, right, Let's assume oh, most well, people aren't, like Rob's man. Never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> everyone other than Rob's mum <laughs> just films at Christmas. Um, and it, it, you know, I was we were talking about it a while ago. A comedy is supposed to make you laugh and a horror film is supposed to make you scared. Over anything else that's the that's the primal thing that has to happen and i think because obviously with the drama there isn't really much of a primal thing with a love story it's obviously to make you feel soppy and i think with a christmas film it's supposed to make you feel christmassy before anything else so without the christmassy feel without that warm nice feel that you get watching this movie 
it would just be that generic six out of ten that we've all mm-hmm. mentioned. I don't know. Maybe like I think if that was the case, we're going on to where how we would do it differently. But if it wasn't a Christmas film, it would have to be a little bit more violent mm-hmm. and like be like almost like a horror movie. Could you then just make any film a Christmas film, and it would make it four four stars better? Uh, if that's what you're going Christmassy. for. Wonderful life. It's like adding adding a bit of vodka to a drink makes it alcoholic. It doesn't necessarily make it good, but it'll get you drunk. And I think you add Christmas to any film and it gives you drunken Christmasness. <laughs> is that an alright analogy? <laughs> I think with this one, there is a lot of plot elements that Christmas helps. So, for example, they can't fly back straight away because it's all booked up. It's Christmas time. You know, people are flying all over the place. So that you know, yeah, that's a really things good like point. that. And the fact that they can't—they're ringing them to get the neighbours to go check on Kevin, but everyone's away. It's all voicemail. Yeah, it, and then later on, they talk about how it's automatic lights, so it does work mm-hmm. in Christmas where it wouldn't work in other seasons. And then at the end, he gets saved by that old man, and the old man uses a snow shovel. So that snow <laughs> generally happens around Christmas. So there you go. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So. 10 out of 10. Mate, 10 out of 10 for technical quality as well. I'll drop it down to a 9 for the donut. <laughs> All right. Um, cinematography. All right. This is got? this is the section that I was well impressed with. I, You know, first time watching this with the, uh, the podcast glasses, criticizing the crap out of it so we can talk about it. Um, I really enjoyed the cinematography in this film. And there is some, you know, like some like basic rules that, like the teacher like in film school and stuff and it's like about like low slash high angles and stuff and it talks about the power divide um but it uses them and it uses them like really well so like, the first thing is like at the beginning of the film the camera was always like way higher than kevin because it's like an adult's vision looking down on him he's also like the weak character and then obviously like we get the reverse on say like joe pesci at the beginning and it's like looking right up, so it's showing that he's like really tough and powerful. Then that levels off throughout the film. Um, but also in terms of blocking and staging, the the mother and the well, all the family really, they're always standing up straight, so they automatically look down at Kevin. But towards the end of the film, everyone kneels down to talk to Kevin, so they're all on his level, which I thought was really mm-hmm. good. Wide angle lenses as well on those moments, so it's like really wide and it's almost like getting in his face so like the wider the camera the closer you have to get to fill the frame so we are like really close to kevin and it like we feel like we're right over him um i also appreciate the scene where kevin's walking around the house asking where everyone is at first you think get on with it the why do we need this scene but it's it's perfectly setting up the the geography of the house which we need to know later so it's mom dad where are you guys and he literally goes to every location that we need to visit later on and it pre-establishes all of that geography so we don't need to establish it in the scene where things are happening quick one one more thing with cinematography that i thought was oh oh and it's right at the beginning of act three one of the greatest uh third acts of all of cinema i will say Kevin running home at 8 p.m. Music going off. Oh my god, that seat, that this act is like the most epic act ever. 
Church bells going off. It's 8 p.m. He knows he's only got an hour because they're going to turn up at nine because they set that up. And all the all the automatic lights are turning on. And we get that scene earlier on that these, these lights are turning on at like 8, was it like 8.43 or something? So we know he's actually only got 15 minutes to get on with it. Class. He does a lot in 15 minutes though, doesn't he? He, he does, does a hell of a lot. Yeah. He even he, he yeah. does a big diagram as well. I'm like, um, I don't know when he did he makes that diagram. Food, he sits down and goes to eat it. <laughs> he does. He has his mac and cheese and everything. I, another thing, another minus point for this film is that he doesn't get to eat his food, and you just. Oh, I'm always thinking that food's just sitting on that table. Like he didn't get to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's also strange. We never get to go into his bedroom, do we? Uh, we never see what where his room know. is. That's true. Now we see we Buzz's, Buzz's bedroom. Room. Yeah. Yeah. It's a strange one. Right. Okay. He has a question for you. Uh, Rob, you go first. What did you think of the first person <laughs> shots with Kevin? So like, I made my family disappear uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, like the night before when, when they're saying, I hope nothing bad happens. And then it goes the next scene. I made my family disappear. I'm like, <laughs> he does the eyes. <laughs> but I think, I think as a kid, because he repeats that line a couple of times, doesn't he? Um, yeah. It's kind of like it, it is needed. So he's talking to other kids. Yeah, because it, it you know this this is a kids' film. This is the the everything about it is tailored for you know well family film I would say. But as a kid, you go just just repeat it a couple of times and go okay the family's gone even yeah. though they've just seen it. Um, Do you think that's one of the reasons why we like this film so much then? Because it's they tailored those parts for us when we were children. Mm-hmm. And yet we still quite enjoy it as adults. Like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like the thing is, this, this film is, is perfectly, like you said earlier, set up for, you know, Christmas Day. You've had your, you've had your turkey. Um, you know, you're stuck. What you, else have you you're had? You're literally stuck. In the picture. Hey, to get it. What else you have? Oh, nice. Um, I, you know. <laughs> Bazinga, is that what you say? Uh, pigs in blankets. Uh, you know, generally parsnips we have. They, they get uh, rolled out. Yeah. And you know you've had loads of gravy. Do you just have the one meat? Is it just the turkey? Do you have a second meat? Uh, beef normally, sometimes ham. Beef, yeah, yeah. we use roast beef. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know. Oh yeah, your dad does a ham and then he makes a broth. After, yeah, doesn't that's he? generally New Year. But uh, you know the yeah, podcast yeah. listeners don't Year really broth. need to know about me uh, diet <laughs> diet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone wants to email about how they get into the Christmas spirit, the film like at gmail dot com. Yeah. Just put the subject line Christmas spirit. <laughs> Or oh, anyone wants to know about what Christmas spirit they drink, yeah. um, let us know as well. I've got some other things on on cinematography. Um, so the guy who did, like I said, did the cinematography, he he was he'd only ever worked B camera, and the he when they did the action stunts, he all, the um, they used a second camera, but I can't remember the term that he used for the second camera. It's like it's like I kind of swear on the podcast because I'm gonna have to beat it out, and that means I'm gonna have to edit, but. Um, the, it's like it's it's a camera that you only put there if you're worried that you're not going to get the right shot you know it's like a sa- it is the safety cam um but everyone calls yeah. you for it they're like ah you've got to have a safety cam you're not that good are you but what he started realizing when he got the dailies back the safety camera was actually the better shot so the safety camera in a lot of them is you know when he like falls down the stairs it's the high angle looking down yeah. They actually filmed that from a different angle and it wasn't as good. So he started to use this second angle. And I think that's how we get actually a lot more cuts in this. So when the slip, because 
the stunts in this are actually quite brutal. In fact, you know when he yeah. when he jumps down the stairs, when it's meant to be Joel Pesci's character, and he slips down the stairs for the first time, the the, the stunt guy on that documentary says, you know, there wasn't any pads or anything. I just went for it, but they didn't tell us how much to go for it. And um, Chris Columbus, he, he after each take when there was a stunt, he didn't go. Um, you know, was everyone every, or like did everyone get the shot? He went. He just whispered, he's like, is the stunt guy okay? You know, because some of them are quite brutal. But that's when he... Yeah, stairs are notorious yeah. for, like, bad breaks. But he started, that's the cinematography, you know, he, he started to set up this uh, the second camera, and it was just a small film camera, you know. Uh, uh, they're probably shot on 35, but I think the small film camera was 16, so they could get it co- a little bit more compact. Um, and then the, the, the constantly started to use that. Um but that guy went on to like shoot loads of comedies afterwards. All of them did, which is quite, quite surprising. I don't know if he shot the second one or not. I can't quite find that information. But uh, so it just goes to show if you, if you've been asked to work on a film and you think it's going to be a little bit rubbish, mm-hmm. might be worth doing if the pay is okay. Yeah, because because <laughs> it might turn out to be amazing. Y- you never know. That's the thing. Like you've got to take that risk. Um, well, in terms of in terms of the budget, the original budget for this was like ten million, um, and then the the final budget was fourteen point seven, and they went to. How much is John Williams getting? Oh, I'm not too sure. But how much did Joe Pesci get? That's the thing. Oh, so fourteen point seven, but um, it was originally with Warner Brothers this film, and they didn't want to give fourteen point seven. They wanted to give them. They went, no, you've got to cut people. You've got to do it for thirteen point three. Which is like, oh, it's not even like a million pound. It's just over a million pounds, sorry. And they cut the film. They went, no, we're not doing it. But um, someone sneakily sent the script to Fox. And as the production shot, uh, shut down with Warner Brothers, it went to Fox. So Warner Brothers missed out on, of obviously, it's this is nearly grossed a billion dollars. And everyone's still watching it. Um, yeah. And it was all for like 1.3 million. Someone got fired for that, like... Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, that's how they got um, Daniel Stern back, and you know they had a little bit more more time with the production. And you you just think, yeah, someone definitely got fired because it was like one point something million, and this was you know a John Hughes written and produced film. At that point, he only had winners, so why wouldn't you back yeah. him for one point something million? Um, after this, he didn't really make too many. Well, I think he definitely reached his peak when he made this, but uh, uh, but yeah, it was just mad. Listen about the budget and everything. Um, in terms of uh, the set as well, so uh, you know everyone knows the house, don't they? The Home Alone house. Yeah. Well, they only use the exteriors of that house. Um, All right. It's a set. So what was the uh, interior set? It's a set. Ah, get in. See, I I read they used parts of the interior. I re- I read they used the kitchen and the staircase. And like the the landing, like of the stairs case, but then everything else was, um, yeah, yeah, on, on location somewhere, on, like a set. Well, what they did is the um, because the the shot this in Chicago, because apparently John Hughes doesn't like the studio system, so the shot it there, and they used the the production house was set up in this in a school, which uh, like an abandoned school, but it was the same school that they shot Breakfast Club in and Ferris Bueller's Day Off in. So it was the same school. So they had each classroom was like each department and they built the set in the gym and it was a two-story like workable set. 
because obviously the gym had was massive and it had like rigging up top because obviously in America yeah. you, the gyms there were like massive because well they even televised some of the high school sports don't they um, so the all of the production was was built in there I went to um I I spent Thanksgiving in Chicago once a few years ago with a friend and she lived well her family lived on on this on the same estate as the Home Alone house oh, nice. and did um, you go. No. Um, oh, great story, Craig. All, um, all, all the houses, all the houses were like who, that. Um, who spent a, some Thanksgiving in Chicago, and his mate, their family. No, I'm saying I spent lived on I the sp- same street. I spent Thanksgiving at that house. That's a story. I'm not saying my friends lives on a place. I went to that oh. house on the estate. All oh, right. Yeah. So, did you go visit the Home Alone house then? No, that's what I'm saying. So I was on the estate, but I didn't have a car. And I didn't want to ask to to go. Can you take me to the house, please? Um, yeah. So, I, uh, but I, I felt like I was quite close to it, and the houses did look like, um, you know, when Harry and Marv are driving oh, was... driving through the estate, they, mm-hmm. they were that yeah. big, and it did feel like I was walking um, through a film set. It was pretty cool. Ah, it turns out it was a pretty good story then. Sorry, kid dog. <laughs> One of the other things they built, so you know, at the end when he runs into that other person's house and it's like flooded because the wet bandits have already been there, um, yeah. they built that set in the swimming pool in the school. Oh, so they could flood? Yeah, so they, they, they needed a place for the water to go and no one was using the pool. Ah. So um, it, the documentary is like how the movies we grew up with or something like that, it's got a couple other ones. Um, and it was it was just super interesting to like, well... If you've got a school, that's the perfect place to make a film because there's so many rooms, everyone can have a department and you can build sets in it. So it was, uh, but I was quite surprised because I always thought it was all of the house because you, you see people talk about it. I think it come up for sale recently as well. Um, there is that joke about like, what did Kevin's dad do to like own that house? Because he, he must have been a drug dealer or something. Like, Yeah, yeah isn't the theory that he's like a mob boss because he's... Uh... Yeah, he he's got all this money to live in that house and take these fifteen people on to Paris during Christmas, and he, they always just say he's he does business or something like that, which is cool. And he, everyone's complaining about paying for the pizzas, and you're just like, it's a hundred and something quid. Like, look at the house you live in. Like, I remember when I was little thinking over a hundred quid on pizza. Yeah, I thought the same thing, but now I'm like fifteen fifteen people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We said ten pizzas. They were like twelve dollars each. You see the size of those pizzas? What twelve dollars? That's like what nine quid? That's cheapest chips. That the movies that made us. That's yeah, what that's it's what called. it's called. And um, also with the set as well. You, uh, did you notice the house is pretty much um, decorated like Christmas? So everything in the house has, is red and green. There's there's no other colours in the house. Oh, right. So oh, like the like the parents' bed. And yeah, the... everything in the house. There's there's a little bit of blue in the kitchen, but everything's red or green. So it's just like this house was purely designed and decorated to look like Christmas. Which I'm surprised you even uh, could watch this, because <laughs> uh, I know you struggle with reds and greens. I I struggle with red and green, but it doesn't mean that it's non-existent and they're invisible. <laughs> Things might just be a what little bed? bit different. It was red, <laughs> so I didn't see yeah. it. <laughs> I didn't notice any green, but I noticed quite a bit of red, yeah. yeah. 
what I did notice this time is how much stuff is in the house, which totally makes sense for a family house of that size without that many people living in it. Like the kitchen is just it's got so much stuff in. There's like pots and pans and plates and and old pizza boxes and 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 games and TVs and like just there's every corner is kind of filled. Um, and I I did appreciate this watching it this time around that there's a guy just going around filling the space. Clutter just adds clutter. Mm-hmm. Lived in ness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, do you get anything on visual effects, special effects? So, how did they do this? These stunts. So, some of them were pretty bad, right? Were they all? It was majority um, in camera, I believe. Visual. Yeah, the majority of them were pretty much in camera, and then they'll just be the odd. Uh, I do, well, actually, I don't know if they did any um, visual effects. One thing, one scene I can't watch is the the, the scene. Foot. You know, you know the scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I obviously know that's not a real foot, but I just can't, I just can't watch it. It goes oh. in so much. It goes in so deep. Oh, it goes so deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad was. My dad told us a story once where um, he's working with someone and they were using a nail gun, and uh, they were putting like a cabinet together and they went to press the wood together, but he, he shot through his hand with a nail gun. Oh. Like he could, he, he just, he like literally had to pull his hand off the piece of wood and there was just like a hole in. Sorry, everyone who's listening. If you're like eating your breakfast while you're listening to this. Yeah, if whatever people are doing, just uh, give us an email on the <laughs> gmail.com. See, you know, if you, if you, if you puked when Rob mentioned mm. that, let us know. I know Marv, when he, do you know the, the one where he comes through the window and he stands on all the, the, the baubles and the, the ornaments? Um, he was yeah. wearing f- he was wearing fake feet for that. I know that. Um, ah, like hobbit feet. That's cool. Yeah, that's the only thing I know. Editing. I think the editing of this film is great. Not just the the pace of it, but the way the the scenes are shot. Like it's a very 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 funny film. Like every scene, there's a laugh out loud moment, or there's a good quote, and that takes a lot of skill in the editing suite, right, to make it that funny. Um, they know exactly when to pause and. And went to speed up the humour. Uh, there's a lot going on, I think, in the, the edit. Timing. Yeah. But the action's edited really well. Like you know where everyone is, and uh, you know, you know, with the paint cans that you know get flung down, and you know, all of that's cut together really well. It's not too jarring. And the fact that the fact that we still cringe watching it shows that it is well edited. Like you know, if they just cut away to a to a, a different shot where it clearly did, they clearly didn't get hit in the face with a paint can. It wouldn't be as. Uh, is impactful, would it? Yeah, that's it true. does feel like it's actually happening to them. Um, I think I mentioned this on a. This was one of my facts on a previous podcast. I can't actually remember which one, but the spider that crawls across his face. The, oh yeah, tell us about the, that. I, it's. I'm sure the spider's like called was called Kevin or something like that. Whoever I, I've mentioned this as a fact in another podcast, if someone can find that. Um, but it was meant to be a fake spider, but at the last minute he just went, nah, I'm going to put a real one on you. And it is a real spider going across his face. Yeah, I, I, I do remember that. I think as well that the scream is hilarious, right? But the, the he didn't actually scream when he did that because it would it would uh, disturb the spider. So he just mimed it and then they added the scream in after. Yeah, um, but they said he said to them, you've got one take, do it. You're not, we're not doing it again, though. Yeah, it seems like a lot of this film was like that. A lot of the stunts, they literally had one take and they just had to get it. Um, they kind of had to shoot it quick, but also stuntmen can't 
go do things over and over again. So that's that's why that dummy, the extra camera and that they put in just to make sure he was scared. He you know he wouldn't quite get the shot and they knew he couldn't do it again. So well, speaking of sound design, <laughs> I got you. There's, a, there's two elements <laughs> that I really liked um, that I noticed that were like really good sound design. The first one is when you know Kevin and Buzz and the little kid who looks like K Dog with glasses on. <laughs> um, they're at the they're at the window. <laughs> he doesn't look like Kidog. He's just got dark hair. <laughs> um, and the the guy's shoveling snow. Oh, he's salting the the things, and they're like they're like really quiet. And it's like, ooh, it's really scary. And the they added like sword like shring mm-hmm. sound effects in to make it seem like this snow shovel was like really sharp and dangerous. And later on, when Kevin's in the the chemist buying a toothbrush and he comes in again and he's got his rubber boots on again and they're wet and squeaky and he's like slowly walking up to him. They really emphasise like the squeaky rubber like heavy boots sound and I was genuinely quite scared during that scene because of all of that, all those like really delicate elements that they put in. I didn't really notice anything else after that. I think I was just really enjoying the film after you know, that. What, what I don't I don't like rewatching it where he, you know, he then becomes the good guy and he's like, you know, don't be afraid to say hello next time. And I just want to say, why don't you say hello instead of creepily staring at me in mental case, you know? You know when he like slams his hand down on the desk and he just stares at Kevin in a really ominous way. Yeah, his bloody um, hand. No, wo- no wonder no wonder people are scared of you, mate. Did he, uh, was he trying to put a cabinet together and he got the nail gun yeah, through his hand? Yeah, that's who got the nail gun through his hand. <laughs> One of my favourite things, this is moving on to score now, um, I, I just learnt this this week, was when they introduce the old man, he's scored with this kind of ancient melody that references the coming of death, right? And I've got the notes here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it for you on my little, uh, on, my, on, my, on my piano. Right? Does it use something called a, a tritone? So they do. Is that what they call it? So this is, can you hear that? Anna? I'm going to turn it up. Yeah, he's, uh, he's currently using his iPhone as a piano. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that works, right? Yeah. So the the these are the notes that he gets. In, his motif every time he's on screen is this. Nope, not that one. I pressed the wrong one. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Those those yeah. four notes, right? And then as Kevin Kevin talks to him in the church, the choir begins to sing uh, "Carol on the Bells," which uses the exact same notes but in a different tempo. No, no, no. Right? Well, copyright, mate. So, Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> which shows, which demonstrates, you know. <laughs> He's loving this. That the audience have misjudged the old man just as Kevin has. Oh, Welcome to uh, Keyball Christian's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So that's my, that's my favourite nice. score fact. Like, eh? um, every single yeah. week, out from now on, you have to... <laughs> Do that. that. Like we'll we'll give you your own little segment within the film Oak podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Key Dog's keyboard corner. Key Dog's right. keys. Yeah, Key Dog. Key Dog. Nice, key. he did oh, it. Nice, nice. <laughs> but it is the classic bait and switch, isn't it? With this guy, it's like he's set up in this very o- ominous way that he's really evil, and then you know suddenly 
he he he's the good guy and he saves the day. He uses modes really well, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, when you watch videos on on the the Star Wars soundtrack, or at least the original soundtrack, he talks about using all this music theory to bend the audience's feelings. Mm. And it's like you'll you'll use half of a motif, and it's like until the next note is played, you don't know what key or mode it's in. It's like you finally get that resolution. So when they play, na, 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 whatever that song's called, <laughs> what is it like? You, you finally, you finally yeah. figure out that it's not evil. You know, talking about you know making the old man scary. The same thing happens in the second one with the the bird lady. You know, like it's pretty much a copy and paste, isn't it? The second one. Now I think about it. <laughs> they don't steer away from that. The fact that they literally called it what Home Alone Two, except he's in New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoy that one. I, th- I think that one might be my favourite of the two. Um, yeah, it's the same film. It <laughs> is the same film, but I, I, I don't know why. I just kind of what like... Is, what does he defend again? What does he defend? What, what are you doing at the house? It's um, his uncle's house Like that he, that's getting renovated. Like, but... Oh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no yeah, he yeah, defends... Because yeah. the, they're climbing up the... He the defends the, the toy shop. Stuff, aren't they? Well, it's the toy shop he's trying to defend at first. Because it's that old man was nice to him, gives him the two doves, the uh, two turtle doves, and um, he the, he finds out that Marv and the other guy um, is going to steal all the money, so he breaks the window and they follow him back to the house. Oh, yeah. What do you think of the plot line where um, the Marv and Harry stop being burglars at one point and just become murderers like they just start wanting to murder this kid like because the reason for them wanting to go in the house at the beginning was to obviously you know steal steal a vcrs uh and then at some point kevin just leaves them alone and goes to his tree house and then they just start chasing him and trying to kill him is that is that it's part of the writing so that's that that comes under my veto (laughs) soundtrack so finish on the (laughs) finish on soundtrack um I do think the Home Alone soundtrack is like the definitive sound of Christmas for me. Like, yeah. Um, and I start. I realized after I watched you, it. Are you going to play that on your iPhone? I started singing. I can't remember what it's like. I started singing. What is it called? Dog's like? keyboard corner. <laughs> it goes. Na, 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 na. I'll get the music up. <laughs> na, 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 na. I realised I started singing Harry Potter after this. It's very similar to Harry Potter, yeah, which makes is, sense yeah. given it's um, by and the same director. how does Harry Potter go? It's the same composer and same director, so it makes Harry sense. Harry Potter is a yeah. Christmas film, would you argue? Uh, right, okay. So this is, the, this is the, the question, isn't it? Is what constitutes a Christmas film? I reckon... A Christmas film is a film that is only traditionally played at Christmas. You would never see Home Alone in June, other than if your mum's watching. Yep. So, Harry Potter, is it played throughout the year, or is it only played... Nah, it's played... It is played throughout the year, maybe. There is Christmas in it, but... But there's Christmas in every and it's like, single There's one. always a Christmas in every yeah. one, yeah. yeah. But I think that's like it's because it's like a good timeline thing for like the first term and then coming mm-hmm. back. Yeah, it's kind of a Christmas film. But you know when people say Die Hard's a Christmas film? Is it is that film played other than Christmas time? Like, is it on? Die Hard is pretty much the exact same as Home Alone in terms of plot, <laughs> you know. Is it a Christmas film, though? Like, 
people love people love to say, oh yeah, Die Hard's the best Christmas film because they have got no personality. Um, but is it a Christmas film? Is it played in June? Is it played in August? Like, is it on the telly? Other no, than you Christmas can watch time? Die Hard anytime. But Die Hard's set up at the beginning. He's going to visit his wife, surprise his wife at Christmas. So, in yeah. terms of setting a film, so it's also a Christmas yeah. So film. setting a, setting a film at Christmas is it is. I don't imagine that yeah. the writers sat around the table and went, "Let's set it at Christmas," because I don't know. Was it deliberate, or was this like a happy coincidence that it's now become a could Christmas? Could have set it at any time. They could have set it at in val- uh, you know it's Valentine's Day, um, you know something like that. I suppose they it, just it, needed it, in Die Hard. They needed a big party in the office, right? That they would mm-hmm. that would then be disturbed. When when has parties? It's Christmas time, isn't it? If we mm-hmm. use the same concept as this, is like because in Home Alone, Christmas actually helps the plot progress. That would then yeah. constitute is that's what a Christmas film is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so a Christmas film, Christmas needs to be weaved into the plot, and if you took Christmas out. It wouldn't work as a yeah, film. I would say that. So is Die Hard a Christmas film? Could you set it at any time? Could you have like New Year's Eve? Yeah, you could. You could. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't have to you be could, Santa. Could be Halloween. It could be you know Val- Valentine. Um, anything like that, really. No. So it's so it's not a Chris. So it's not a Christmas film. I would have to watch it again, then I'll get back to you. <laughs> this is this is like the ultimate filmmaking Christmas argument, mm-hmm. isn't it? Anyone disagrees and wants their two cents the film look at gmail.com is die hard a christmas yeah. film and if you want to watch it at christmas class it's a good film isn't it yeah <laughs> it does it give you that warm christmasy feeling does it do the christmasy effect so is it a good christmas film it depends what you want from a christmas film as well you know a christmas film it it's it gets you christmas drunk it like gives you that warm festive feeling First and foremost, like a comedy is supposed to make you laugh. Like one of my favorite Christmas films is uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and I wouldn't say that gets you quite warm and fuzzy. It it makes you probably more into a Grinch, and right. and it is a little bit silly. Actually, yeah, the director of um, Home Alone, Chris Columbus, he 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 was yeah. he directed or he was going to direct uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but left the project because Chevy Chase is an arsehole apparently. So, all right. Um, how would you do it differently? Oh, you know what? It would be uh, not the random kid during the head count at the beginning. That's the... You think that's too, <laughs> you know what? too far? That is, that is the one thing. That's the one thing that they got wrong. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's one step too far. Everything else is all right. If you take that scene out, you know, doing a head count, would you do a head count if you're a Russian? I don't know. You'd just get everyone in. Maybe don't bother with a head count. Yeah. Yeah, just have them... Just have them pile in, and then you wouldn't need it. Mine would be, uh, like I mentioned before, maybe maybe a, a better setup of Kevin as being this uh, a guy that likes science or uh, a guy that likes games or magic or traps or something like that at the beginning. Just a hint, just like a little, a little, a little dab, a little drip. Yeah, just to give him the potential to become that character rather than being completely the opposite of the character. Rob. Anything you would do differently? Just that kid. Aye. That's that's the weakest part. <laughs> Aye with a hat. Yeah. yeah. Um He just he just dives in because the need they need him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who is he? 
Like, why didn't they take him with them? It's he not, just, it's not Kevin. He, why isn't he like still there? Like, he should have just went. He's also, he's also very rude, isn't he? Right? It's this kid, he's, he's this random neighbor that comes and just starts like rummaging through their bags as they're about to go on holiday. I'm like, what are you doing? Going through people's stuff. Someone would notice him. Go, oh God, he's back again. Like, because he's clearly not done this the first time. Stealing stuff out of my bag. Like, you know. What does he, like, what oh, does he say? Away, man. Bring, bring me back something French. What is, says something he's got a line here's a question uh, for you is that kid actually the ghost because apparently there's there's a couple of fan theories about this where uh, Kevin is actually dead um, but he's dead the whole time like the sixth sense yeah so there's a few fan theories I'll get onto them in th- fan, the fan <laughs> theory section where I'll le- read off a list yeah Sizzle for that. Mm. <laughs> has it aged? I think it has. Oh, just because if this happened in 2020, uh, maybe not 2020 because we're not allowed to fly, maybe in 2019, um, it, all of these problems would be solved by the use of technology and the internet and yeah. phones. Well, kids have phones from the age of three, so... You know. if, you go, if you go down all the things at the beginning, like that was part of the setup in terms of getting them home alone, you could probably knock out about 80% of them um, if you had phones, uh, it would kind of ruin the story. So you'd have to figure out another way of getting them home alone, basically. The classic, oh, my phone's run out of battery. Oh, my phone doesn't have any signal. Mm, it's um, it's going to be difficult to do that now. That, I don't think that's necessarily made the film age because it, the film was shot in 1990. Like, would you say, like, the technology of a film in the 1980s, like, oh, all of this would... Like, when we did The Breakfast Club, we didn't mention, oh, well, if they had phones, they would just be on the phones. So it's aged. I think in this film, um, like younger kids watching it will be like, what's that he's putting into the TV? The mention oh, right. like the VHS. Mention VCRs. VHS. Uh-huh. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like, my right. nephews, I mean, I dare say in the next 10 years, people won't even know what a DVD is. Yeah. You know? And I suppose the airports as well. Like, it was weird how how um, lacking of security there was and the fact that they ran to the gate, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, I, I don't... Right, th- I think right. they could still do that in a film these days, but I think it would be very, like, careful not to because, especially in America, you know, being respectful of that whole thing. Because you do see, you know, if you live for the flight, it's generally them driving there now. <laughs> it is. You don't you don't yeah. see anything in the airport. Um, but is it age? Probably, yeah, because there is there is some scenes where... Uh, with the VHS, obviously the the VHS itself, it's in black and white, which it's quite yeah. funny. People try to find was it Angels of Glory or something? Um, yeah, it's fake. The shot at the day before, uh, principal photography. A- Angels with Angels with filthy souls is the name of the film. Yeah. Is that what it is? It's a great know. it's a great fake film within a film, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's that helps the plot progress. Um, you know, it, we see it in the second one in the hotel room. Um, you know, he constantly he has a copy on him all of the time. Apparently now. Um, <laughs> what about in terms of like technical aspects? Then has it aged? I don't think so. I think everything calls up really well. Um, obviously the stunts were done properly. There was no CGI. Uh, you know, it was just camera work, which is the best way to do it. Um, yeah. But other than that, no, I think I think it really does. Obviously, it does kind of short age in terms of like the costumes and the the decor and everything like that. You know, you can tell it's kind of nineties, but it's not yeah. gonna. I think this film will still be watched. Do you think it's more that it's mature yeah. than it has? Aged? You know, this this film's gonna get watched for the next 
how many over years like you're going to see it every single every single christmas it'll just be on so yeah the film hasn't aged but but we've aged right i think every year every year macaulay culkin comes on twitter and goes uh do you want to feel old i'm now 40 Mm. and it kind of um (laughs) (laughs) this was the first time watching this film and actually feeling older than the kids <laughs> like i was like buzz is it just a little kid like you're like, what starting, a to, relate to, to, starting to relate to the parents really yeah <laughs> like, what do you th- we haven't actually really spoke about um macaulay culkin like is a kid actor you know he is the obviously the massive star of this and he's he's that's that's the only person you see for the majority of it he like ho- he's, 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 he's great like, like, oh, he's, he's absolutely fantastic for how old... I don't know how old he was at the time. Obviously, if he's playing an eight-year-old. But it's, like, it's just, like, incredible. Like, what he, he, what acts, he did. He acts his little heart out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the um, the scene in the church, you know, the, the did all of this kind of action-y stuff, and then they went into the church, and he just nailed it. He didn't need any prompts. Right. He just did it, and they were, like, blown away by it. It's like, oh, this kid can actually actually act um it's just a shame that you know he didn't really go on to have a, a, a movie career when he got older he had one of those horrible child star teenagers didn't he where he um had a lot of difficulties with his uh well everything i think his parents were mm-hmm. very nice people didn't he get emancipated from his parents yeah i think so he doesn't make any money from this film either still like he did he doesn't get any like royalties or anything it was just the dealer that did so yeah, right. it's a bit of a shame well, who was the Sebastian Stan of the film? It's got to be one, one of the kids, isn't it? If um, if people don't know what the Sebastian Stan in the film is, um, Sebastian Stan was in the film The Martian. Which film? Um, The Martian. You mean he, he was you know, in Matt Damon. he was in um, one of the Avengers films? You mean? No, no, he's he's in The Martian. Mm, I don't think so. No, he's definitely no. He honestly, he's in The Martian. Uh, so. <laughs> But he's a pointless character in The Martian. That's probably why you didn't notice him in that film. Well, agree film. to disagree. <laughs> and he, um, he could be pulled out of that film and literally the plot would not have been changed. So if there was someone who was completely pointless to this film, who would it be? What about the kid? We're, we're, we're hating on the neighbour at the moment. What about if no, we pull he, the, the neighbour kid out? He needs to be, he there. Need to be there. I know, but if we just remove that, if we, if we remove that scene... <laughs> No, they need a count. They do. <laughs> they need a count. I'm I'm gonna propose that it's the elf who's locking up the grotto because he walks over to her. She he goes, nice shoes. She goes, cheers. Is Santa around? Yeah, he's at his car. Yeah, that's a good point. And then he walks and talks to Santa. He could just go to the grotto, and, and then Santa. Santa's there fiddling with his keys, and he turns around and he's like, oh Santa. The interaction with the elf beforehand. Is completely pointless. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe that whole yeah. scene altogether. Like I know, like he talks about, like oh, you're not the real Santa, but I know how it works, and like we get this bit of character development, but it doesn't forward the plot. I don't think. I think all it does is, in terms of being a kid, it's um, it's having that wish. You know, this happens in many, many kid films and many fantasy films. It's just like I wish everything would go back to normal, or you know, you go, you're just about to go into battle. Um, and you, yeah. you you have that conversation or um, they have the speech, you know, and you're just like, right, I hope everything does well. And I think I think that's just part right. of their story. But you, this is him changing, yeah, accepting that he's yeah. Changed. But you're but you're right about the elf. 
Sebastian Stan. But you're right, though. The the point of the center was for him to articulate the fact that he wants his family back, right? He's he's finished being yeah. alone. He needs sorry. someone to talk in front of. And he needed, yeah, we needed someone to say, but but he's been talking to himself the whole film, so I don't understand why he couldn't just say it to himself in the mirror or say it to the old man yeah. or something like that. He could use the old man as There's the There's voiceover in the film as well, so he could have voiced it. But I guess we needed like a mall centre, didn't we, at some point. It's quite funny. Yeah, because yeah, the, the car was quite funny. about the big yeah. guy. Apparently that was a fun fact for you. Wasn't supposed to stall. Oh, wasn't it? <laughs> and they caught it on camera and they used nice. it. Right. Filmmaking cliches. So this would be like someone's chasing someone else and they get into a room and they open the door and there's no one there except the windows open and the blinds are fluttering. I think one of the filmmaking cliches is is kind of I suppose the characters do learn some Marvin Harry the chasing after him and it's near the end of the chase and he runs into the house and then Mar uh, one of them goes, No, let's go this way and it's just like well as soon as you said that I know you're going to catch him now you know you haven't been able to yeah. you've spent you know 10 minutes falling for all of these traps and now you're just thinking about it now you're like let's just not go through there or open that um, and it's that, that happens in films it's a cliche you have to have that moment of like I'm going to get yeah. you in the next scene in the do yeah. you know that's a cliche so we say we get we're going to get rid of this question every week, but we never do. Uh, is it in the Matrix? <laughs> um, this is the reason why we should get rid of it. But <laughs> no, yes, no. Okay, there you go. Two, one yes and one no. Um, could there be a sequel? The answer is yes, and there was many sequels. Um, Loads. Of oh sequels. no! But does the other ones count after two though? No, I don't think so. As soon as Macaulay nah, Culkin left. Macaulay Culkin yeah. in. Although the third one has the first appearance of Scarlett Johansson, doesn't it? Oh, really? Mm. Does it? Yeah, she's the she's the. Oh, she's the older sister. Yeah. I've oh, never right, I've never seen in. any of them past past two, so kind of by principle, you know. <laughs> He's a different um, character as well. He's not Kevin McAllister in the third one. Oh, right. Yeah. In it, the fourth it, one, he is. But it's a different actor. Oh, that's weird. And the parents get a divorce. Same parents? No, different parents oh, as well. Too confusing. But <laughs> the same characters. Yeah. What about this? Could it be made now? Could there be a remake of Home Alone now? Well, um, apparently you know, they are doing this. They are doing that. Oh, yeah? Of course yeah. they are. Of course they are. But it, they would have to integrate They would have to integrate all the technological advances in the past 30 years, wouldn't they? Um, it would be a different film. And I imagine it would be more violent. I don't know. Yeah. It would be more violent, wouldn't it? There would have to be. There would there would be more TikToks. <laughs> Couple and of that's, TikToks. That's all that's exactly what we need, isn't it? More TikToks. There'll be, be some, some be some flossing. There'll, there'll be some sort of threat of putting putting the video on social media or something like that from <laughs> He took a selfie saying that he was home alone and then someone yeah, now yeah. oh now we know that you're home alone, Kevin. <laughs> Because of your yeah. geotag on Facebook, on Snapchat, Ma whatever. You know, Harry will be like, he's home alone. And Marv will be like, but I just saw him talking to people on Snapchat. And he'll be like, no, no, he's lying. No, that was a pre-made video. <laughs> it's not live. Like, I didn't know you could do that. No, you can. <laughs> if they did make another one of these right now, um, like... It wouldn't be catered to like 30 year olds. Sorry, I know you're not 30 yet, but you're nearly there. It's, it wouldn't be catered to us anymore. So it would have to be like 
like the adult version, like a 15 version where it would be more violent. But it, then it wouldn't be a kid, so it would be like a grown-up, you know? If it was Home Alone, but it was a grown-up who's Home Alone because all the families went without him, that's what would be rela- related to us. I don't know how they would do it. <laughs> yeah. But um, Well, they, they wouldn't market it to us, no. would they? They would market it to the, the family-friendly audience. Uh-huh. So it'd be for kids yeah. again. So we'd probably hate it then. I reckon if they just they just um re-released Home Alone three and told everyone it was a new one, everyone wouldn't realise because nobody's seen it. <laughs> and they've just de-aged Scarlett Johansson. Deep fake Macaulay Culkin <laughs> into the. <laughs> well, he has a question. Um, what would you do if you woke up and your family was gone as a kid? I do remember this. This is not the question you asked, but I do remember me and my cousins used to watch this all the time. And do you know that scene where he goes down the stairs on the sledge, on the sleigh, and out the door? We tried that with the uh, washing up basket. Yeah, uh, I tried that as well. And every time I bring this up and tell this to people, everyone goes, oh, I did that as well. And I'm just wondering, like, how I'm wondering how many people did that and, like, broke arms and things. I wonder how many, like, injuries Home Alone is responsible for because of that scene. I think I did it with like a cardboard box or something. Yeah, everyone did it with something, didn't they? Um, mm-hmm. And it's a terrible. It went Stairs terribly. Stairs on the to- like actually not very uh, slippery, other. No. Not at all. You always get caught on a step. I've f- I've fell down them enough. Trust us, like they can be pretty slippery. Did you notice that John Hughes is the brother in France? Oh, is that who it is? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think that's who it is. Uh, did you notice they were talk? They were in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I did. Yeah, point? she's in Scranton. Uh, yeah. Shout out to the because office. that's like that's like north, further north. It's like, like it's like not northeast, too far northeast from, yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. What what is the hot thing that he puts on the handle? Oh, like what's its function? <laughs> like, what, what is it? Yeah, what is it? Because we don't have like them a, in the UK. Because his dad's a gangster, you see. He's um he's got so he's got a hot he's got rod. like a branding iron he does yeah it looked like a branding iron what you like brand animals with what which I'm sure it wasn't thing in it's not no it's not why would you why would you have that because he's a gangster that's one of the uh, fan theories Kevin's dad is a gangster oh, like a, leader it is an electrical barbecue starter ah uh, course so you must put it underneath and it heats up the charcoal. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a heat, just a heating element to get the charcoal started, without having to use. Um, like See, that's that's someone who's got lots of money has got one of them because you just could just use a match. That's why he's a gangster, uh, isn't he? Any uh, other uh, trivia, fun facts, fan theories? Like um, Kevin's father hates him, which he does. Um, <laughs> like he comes back and goes. Why, right, Kevin? Yeah, all of yeah, them he do. Does. Yeah, he's not all of them do at all. It. It's only the mother. Yeah. All of them don't care. They just walk past. One of the other theories is Kevin is actually uh, Saw um, from Saw, whatever he's called in Saw. Jigsaw. Jigsaw. He grows up to be Jigsaw, which kind of makes sense. Like, well, he is a psychopath. He's gone through the... Well, he is. He's gone through these two traumatic things and he goes, you know what? I'm going to do this for like real life. I just remembered a cliche that um, is quite funny. Do you know at the end when they come back and they go, oh, what have you been up to the past two days? And he goes, mm, nothing. And then looks at the camera. Kevin. It's got to be a version of that. <laughs> he gets an erection at the end. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, not much. Boy, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and this was Kevin <laughs> beginning puberty. <laughs> um, I've got, uh, so the old man is actually Kevin from the future. <gasps> so that's cool. So he said, people say, well, you know, that the old man helps him rather easily. I'm like, well, he lives on the same street. Maybe the old man is actually Santa Claus. Hmm? That isn't on my list, but yeah, that could be. We'll uh, we'll write that one in. I got a fun fact. So um, my girlfriend's learning German at the moment. So she changed her German. Oh, that is a fun fact. She's changed her Disney Plus to um, German uh, to help. And she wanted to watch. She watched this film with us, and she wanted to watch it in German. I'm like, yeah, go for it, because I've seen this millions of times. Let's just watch it in German. And then after like five minutes, it was. I got sick of it, and I turned it back. But I found out. I found out that um, Home Alone. The title in Germany is um, Kevin Alone Zuhus, which uh, Kevin Alone in the house. <laughs> that's what they call Home Alone. <laughs> Get in. That's my, uh, that's my fact. Get in. <laughs> Kevin nice Alone Zuhus. Apparently, it's really big in Norway. Apparently, they love it. Norway. Norway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got it first. <laughs> All right. Should we leave it there then? Yeah, well, we uh rating this again out of films. 10 out of 10. Yeah, no, I'm 9 down. out of 10 because of the donut. Yeah, I'm going to go 10. It's a, it's a, uh, 10. the amount of setups and payoffs that we've Perfect went through. Um, it's worth, it's the, worthy of the 10. The thing is, with, with this watch through, I didn't laugh at it. Like, so I'm like, oh, did I, you? No, like, oh, I laughed a bunch no, of times. I've, I've seen, it's because you were on your phone. I've seen it way too many times. <laughs> you even admitted you were on your phone the yeah, whole time. I, look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> But I, I, I actually think the, uh, I do think the second one. You're in it, weren't you, uh, Rob? I, I think you're the one who went, Kevin. Uh, you're such a disease. Buzz. Um, no, no. I think I do think this. Is Buzz Ginger? Yeah, Buzz is Ginger. Is he actually? Yeah, I think he is. Anyway, um, I think the second one's actually better than this one. I've seen the second one probably just as much, and I'd, for some reason, I just I I've always liked the second one. Um, Maybe because it's like, you know, he is in the big city in New York and you get that. Uh, well, you see New York on pretty much every film you watch, don't you? Um, and it's like he is running around the city. And uh, that's one of the reasons I always wanted to go to New York. It was because, you know, Home Alone. Yeah, when when I went to New York, I went to uh, one of my stops was the Home Alone Hotel that he stays at. Yeah, the uh, um, what's it called? Donald Trump's in it. Yeah, Donald Trump's in it. Makes a cameo. He 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 tells him where to uh, get the lift or something. He was in loads of stuff back in the day. Well, he still is, isn't he? (laughs) Still in uh, loads of stuff. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So yeah, my score. I'm gonna put it to a ten. Why not? What what um what other Christmas films? So you 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 would put this on. What else would you watch this time of year? The Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Good one. I watched Jingle All the Way. Yeah, I watched well. that the class. This new one, which I'd highly recommend to both of you now, which came out last year, was Klaus on Netflix. It is brilliant. It's a really, really good film. Um, it's an animated film. It was it was nominated for like Oscars and things last year, mm-hmm. but it gives yeah. you that it gives you that warm fuzzy Christmas feeling, and it's a new story, which um, is good. Have you seen the Christmas Chronicles on Netflix? I, have, I haven't watched that it's yet. It's got yeah. Kurt Russell in. No. He plays Santa. It's all right. If you if you've run out of Christmas if films to watch. Yeah, if you've ran out, it's all right. I'm sure there's a, a few yeah. hallmark ones I haven't watched yet. Uh, they're always nice and cheesy. It's all right. Your mum will have watched. Yeah, them. She, she will have, man. It's it's. 
She watched them during the first lockdown. <laughs> you know what? You're laughing about it, but she did. Um, Jingle All The Way. Have you seen Christmas Vacation? National Lampoons? Yeah. 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 That would be on the mm-hmm. list. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably have to yeah. watch that at some point. I watched um, White Christmas last year. It's like a musical. It was actually really good. I think it was on on Christmas Day. And it was like, that kind of got us in the spirit. Plus I could smell I the turkey. Like Bing, so I think that Bing Crosby might, in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Proper classic, like, shouldn't, like, it, it is a musical, which I don't normally like, but that was, I do I like musicals, because I like La La Land as well. <laughs> All right, well, unless we just continue li- listing Christmas films, I think we can end Home Alone's podcast here and wish everyone a uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. All the best for 2021. Um, how can people get in touch with the podcast, Rich, if we're going forward? Thefilmlook at gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram at thefilmlook, YouTube channel, filmmaker knowledge bombs, thefilmlook. Great. And until next time, say goodbye. <laughs> By oh, we didn't, you know, the written we normally use. Merry, how many ho- Merry Christmas, you filthy. It's meant, it's meant to be how many homes alone did you give it, give it? I would give it 10 homes. Yeah, whatever the rating is, 10. Ten, I'll um, give it a Sherlock Holmes. All right, okay. <laughs> ten Chris Jingle Bells. I'm going to give bells. it ten irons falling on your head. Ten doves are doving. Yeah, ten, ten pieces of donuts on a phone out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. Bye.